Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell. John Harlow to join you in a little bit. Another great edition of Talking Circles. Tonight we discuss the possibility of road course racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Daniel Suarez is allowed to race in the Advanced Auto Park Clash at Daytona, what was known as a Sprint Unlimited. We'll discuss that. New rules for NASCAR. They will have to qualify on the tire. They'll have to race, excuse me, on the tire they qualify on. Plus, there was three new entries announced this week for the Daytona 500 and a couple of news in the Camping World Truck Series. But first, let's discuss. We're 38 days away from the Daytona 500, 30 days away from the clash, and here we are. Still, you know, next week we're expecting to hear, this week, next week is, is the um, this immediate tour. We're expecting to hear a lot of news about the formats and all that kind of things. But right now, let's discuss a very, very interesting topic that came up this afternoon. I think it was first reported by Catchfence, if not motorsport.com, about the possibility of road course racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, if you didn't hear a story, Charlotte Motor Speedway, A.J. Allmendinger conducted a test over the last few weeks at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and he ran a road course tra- uh, you know, course there at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And there's rumors now that either at the All-Star Race or more likely at the October Chase event, that there will be a road course race at Charlotte Motor Speedway, most likely. Now, wow, I mean, that's big news considering we've only had two road courses in this sport, John, in the Cup Series since 1987 with Sonoma and Watkins Glen. What do you make of this this road course, potential road course race at Charlotte Motor Speedway? I think it's still a pipe dream. I don't think it's legit yet. It'll probably... Not not that they'd run it this year. I really don't think they'd run it this year because they'd have to have the TV partners and NBC buy into it. And I think that's something that they would have had to talk to NBC a long time ago about to change from a 500-mile Saturday night race to a road course race. I don't think they're going to do it in the chase. If they do it, it might be the all-star race, but I think that's wacko as it is too. Um, If they're going to do a road course race, The place to do it of all the NASCAR tracks would be Daytona. They run the 24 hours there. They have it built. It's set for the road course. They have a built-in road course. Charlotte's like a brand-new configuration, and nobody's run it yet. Everybody would be flying blind. I don't think it would be good racing to begin with. And with the way the road courses are anymore, I mean, you still only have four or five different guys who have a shot at winning the road courses. What does it do? It gives A.J. Allmendinger and the road course guys who are mid-pack teams a shot at getting into the chase, if it's before the chase, but I don't really see it as a viable alternative. If they're going to run a a third road course race, either go to Road America or something like that, or run it at the Daytona uh, road course that they run for the 24-hour. Yeah, it's very interesting, John, because we've never run – 
a road course race at Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is why I would be more comfortable with trying it out this year at the All-Star event and saying, you know what, let's see, let's get all the the, uh, the newness out of it. If there's anything that, that's, you know, kind of, you don't want to see anybody's championship hopes get destroyed on, on because they haven't run on a racetrack before. That would bother me. Um, you know, if if something uh, something goes wrong with the racetrack, you just never know. So let's get all all the, the kinks out of the hose here. At the All-Star Race, there's no points on the line. I think that would be cool to see. And then maybe in 2018, if you want to put it in the chase, I'd be okay with that. But there's a lot to take in here. And I think part of this is and what people have to understand. And you can chime in on this on this topic if you want. 907-889-8280 is the number to call if you want to join in on the conversation at the, about the Charlotte Road Course Race. But you mentioned places like Road America and Daytona. And there's no doubt, Daytona, we, we run an IROC race there. We run a Rolex 24 there. We've done a lot of road course racing at Daytona. There's no doubt Daytona could hold a cup race, road course race, and it would be a great, great show. They've done it plenty of times. They know what they're doing. They know how to do it and everything like that. But Daytona is owned by International Speedway Corporation, and Charlotte Motor Speedway is owned by Smith Speedway Motorsports Incorporated, which is two different companies, the two big companies in NASCAR that own racetracks. And SMI, who, which I'm going to call the, the Smiths, Bruton and Marcus Smith, um, they don't want to see that chase day get away. And if you tell them, listen, we want to have a road course in this chase, but we're going to take a date away from Charlotte, they're going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, and this is sort of a, a thing where, where Charlotte Motor Speedway is going, you know what, we'll try it. We won't get our date taken away. We'll try this road course race here, maybe in this chase. Because I do. I think it's stupid that we have two road course races in the regular season and you don't see one in the chase. I've come out and said personally, John, road course racing, I don't think it's anything that, it doesn't interest me, but there are a lot of fans. I'm a minority on that. There are a lot of NASCAR fans out there who love road course racing, partially because I think the package on the mile-and-a-half tracks, the package on the short tracks, and the package on the super speedway hasn't been any good in the last couple of years, and the best package we see are the road course racing. So I think that's part of the reason why road courses have sort of gotten to the favor of NASCAR fans recently. But uh, I would like to see more short tracks and, and the heck with the road courses, but again, I'm in a minority on that. And if you're going to have them, you might as well have one in the chase. And with that being said, John, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with adding just one road course race, but I don't want to see another one added. I don't want to see another one. To me, three is plenty. I don't want to see four or five because there's going to come a time, John, where NASCAR is going to start to look a lot like IndyCar. And if we go to four, five, six road course races, we're going to start to look a lot like IndyCar. What are your thoughts on that? I really, I'm I'm sort of with you with the road courses. I'd rather watch paint dry a lot of times. Road courses to me are like watching the, the plate tracks. But, like you said, because of the package being so bad lately, the road course races have been the most exciting races. You actually have a battle at the end. You have a battle throughout the race. The one thing that I'd like to see that would, if they're going to do something like that, look at the tracks that have the least amount of attendance. And Dover is sitting right there at the top of it. And Dover isn't an SMI or a um, ISC track. Dover's owned by Dover Motorsports, and Dover's been struggling with attendance. And they have a chase race. If they would do something like that, adjust the schedule, and put Sonoma in the chase, or put Watkins Glen early in the chase, but I really believe that the two road courses are enough. 
but I don't believe the road courses should be in the chase because that is your minor form. You have more short tracks. You have more plate tracks. You have the different, I mean, more plate races. You have two road course races a year, and then you want to put one of the, I mean, put a road course race in your 10 that determines your championship. In reality, the road course is almost a buy during the regular season where if you hose it up, you have a shot to still make your stuff up on the regular tracks. I think the road courses are more of a gimmick than anything. But if they're going to do the road course, do it where it's already built up, where it's already proven. Do it somewhere like Road America or do it somewhere like Daytona where they run the 24 every year. They have great races. They have the ability to run side-by-side. You have the banking. You have the twists and the turns. The Daytona uh, track would be the best one for putting a road course in the chase. But if they're going to do something like that at Charlotte, what they need to do is say, okay, like they did with Japan a couple years ago where they had an exhibition race, bring everybody in the Wednesday before the All-Star race and say, okay, we're going to do an exhibition race to see how this would be. And put everybody out and say, okay, we're going to pay you X amount to participate in this thing. Everybody gets the same amount, and let's see how it goes. Oh, so I'd be totally okay with that, John. I agree with you. I think putting it in the chase would be a disaster, I think, to start it off with. Because, listen, there was a video that surfaced on on Twitter I saw today, or Facebook, one of the two, that had A.J. Allmendinger doing the last at Charlotte Motor Speedway through the road course. Um, it was very interesting to watch. Uh, but there were some very, very tight corners in there. And I know this is the top echelon of stock car racing. There's no doubt about it. And these guys are the best in the world. But, again, I would hate to see on lap one somebody go in who's qualified eighth or seventh, somebody go into the, to that one of those corners and completely lose it because they're not used to the track and, and take out four, 14 or 15 cars and three or four people in the chase get destroyed because we didn't know the racetrack. I would hate to see that, or they went too wide when they shouldn't have gone too wide that early in the race. I would hate to see that, and I know there's, you're not going to be able to prevent that, but I would be okay with an expedition-type race, like you said, or even in the all-star race. But again, you know, you talk about Daytona, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, and Road America, Speedway Motorsports Incorporated is just not going to allow, allow that to happen. And you can't really blame them. I mean, I think maybe Daytona, I think maybe NASCAR, ISC should look at it and say, well, maybe we should move one of our dates away. Or like you said, Dover, pull, pull Dover out and put a road course in. Um, but I think this has legs. I, I don't think you, you would send an A.J. Allmendinger to a road course race um, and not have, not have it have legs. I think this has serious legs. I think this is a very big possibility. Whether it comes up in 2017 or 2018 uh, is, remains to be seen. But, you know, it's very interesting. And again, John, I think um, a lot of the NASCAR fans, the modern day NASCAR fans, like road course racing. I, and I, and I, you and I are on the same boat. We think they like it because the package hasn't been that great on everywhere else. Um, but what do you think? If they do add a third road course in there, uh, how would this throw a loop in there with, with these guys? Do you think A.J. Allmendinger might have a shot at winning the championship? Because when we think about road course racing, we think about A.J. Allmendinger because that's more of his background. He's very good there. Um, and do you see a possibility of, of maybe somebody stealing a race uh, in this chase that may, maybe a road ringer, a higher road ringer, or some of these guys who have road course backgrounds, now that we have a third road course, might get a look like a Sam Horner's Jr. because you sit there and say, well, now we're going to have two and we're going to have one in the chase. We could potentially win a championship that way. 
Do you see that changing at all, that maybe drivers and teams focus even more on these road course races because we're going to have three and one potentially in the chase? Well, see, the one I worry about is, if you remember last summer when they announced the chase and the 10-year contract with NBC, or the year before when they announced the 10-year contract with NBC for the second half of the season, and they had the 10-year contract with Fox, so the TV deals for 10 years. They also announced 10-year deals with all the tracks. So the tracks are set for the next 10 years. They're not moving. I mean, every track has got a 10-year contract with NASCAR right now. So I don't know why Charlotte would be thinking about it, other than the fact, knowing Bruton, this could be a publicity stunt just to say, get Charlotte Motor Speedway in the news in the off season. <laughs> this could be his yeah, way of saying, okay, everything's all quiet. Let's get Charlotte Motor Speedway some publicity. We're going to draw up a pretend road course, have A.J. Allmendinger run it for a few days, and we'll see, and see how it makes the news. This could be just a Bruton saying, let's make some news, and nothing come of it. But there's a 10-year contract with all the tracks. There's a 10-year contract with the media partners. There's the Mm -hmm. alleged however long contract is with Monster Energy to be the title sponsor. The TV partners, Monster Energy, are going to have a say in whether or not there's a road course goes in there or if a track goes away. And the track would have a nice lawsuit on their hands with NASCAR because they already got a signed contract. That's a, that's a very good point, John. And and I think the track, I believe the track runs through five years, but still, you know, we we won't see anything come out through 2021, 2022. The tracks won't change still. But uh, I would like to get A.J. Allmendinger's opinion on this. As far as Charlotte Motor Speedway and the road course, did he like it? Did he sit there and say this was something that can be done? Uh, did, he, did he want to make any changes? Did he sit there and say, well, that was good. This is what we need to improve on. Um, so I, I would like to see his his opinion on this. I, I think he was very quiet today. I didn't see anything about A.J. Allmanger coming out making any comments about that. But I would really like to hear his opinion on this uh, because if he says it's ready to go and he thinks it's ready to go, I think obviously 2017, whether it's an expedition race, like you said, or a ro- all-star race, or maybe even they're crazy enough to put it in the chase, uh, and, and all the power to them because that's their racetrack. They can do what they want with it. But I would again, I would find it very, very hard to believe they would put it in the chase without racing there prior, or maybe even testing there. The good thing about Charlotte is that all the racetrack, all the race teams are right there. So if they want to throw up a quick test right now before Daytona, they say, listen, before you go to Daytona, we want 30 cars to go to there and test at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's not a big travel cost because the racetracks are right. There are race shops for the majority of them. All right, in North Carolina, in Charlotte, in the Charlotte area. 917-889-8280 here if you want to join the conversation on Talking in Circles tonight. We move along, John. Another little news tidbit coming out today that surprised me. Daniel Suarez, we know he's going to drive the number 19 car this year. He'll be running for Rookie of the Year in the Aris Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. Carl Edwards announced his retirement last week. Uh, If you were under a rock and you didn't know that, there you go. Um, But... You know, Edwards, by v- virtue of his poll, he sat on a couple polls in 2016, was eligible for what is now known as the auto- Advanced Auto Parts Clash at Daytona, which was known as Spun Unlimited in the Bud Shootout. Um, and really, Suarez wasn't eligible for it. When, when Edwards retired, Suarez shouldn't have been eligible for it because Suarez hadn't made a chase, hadn't sat on a poll, and hadn't sat on a Daytona 500 poll, which is the three um, you know, things to get into that race with. 
Uh, Suarez running has, has never made a cup start, but NASCAR announced today that Tim Suarez is allowed to run in the Advanced Auto Parts Clash at Daytona, which was shocking to me. And I think a lot of people were kind of didn't it didn't sit right with a lot of people. It didn't sit right with me when I first saw John. And last year they sort of set this precedent last year with Brian Vickers. If you remember, Tony Stewart was eligible for the Sprint Unlimited last year and broke his back, and Brian Vickers drove the 14 car in the Sprint Unlimited. Um, is there a difference here, John? Do you like? Do you think it's a big deal that Daniel Suarez is able to run in this uh, Advanced Auto Parts Class at Daytona? What are your thoughts on, on NASCAR's call today with Suarez in the Advanced Auto Parts Class at Daytona? Well, in the way in the past, the way it always was when it came to the Clash, the car was eligible plus the driver. So if the 14 car last year, like Tony Stewart, was eligible because he won, he was a past uh, shootout clash, whatever winner. Um, but Edwards won polls this year, and that's why Vickers won. I mean, ran last year on Stewart's behalf because the car was eligible. This year they were talking just the drivers because Clint Boyer is hopping in Tony Stewart's car. Tony Stewart is eligible, which meant the car would have been. So Boyer, if I'm Clint Boyer, I'm screaming that that 14 car is eligible because it's a past champion. And if I'm Stuart Haas, I'm saying, well, if Suarez can get in, why can't Boyer get in and get that seat time at Daytona in a new car with a new crew chief and a new organization? I think it's crap that Suarez is in. I think if Edwards is in it, great. If Edwards isn't, it doesn't. It's not eligible. If Joe Gibbs wants to put a Greg Biffle in it and run that race, more power to him because Biffle's eligible as a right. past champion. But I think it's crap that Suarez is in, and that's just how it goes. I mean, you don't. And it's typical NASCAR. Let's change the rules on the fly. And the reason they mm-hmm. said they let Suarez in was because Gibbs had been preparing cars for Carl Edwards, for the Clash. Okay? I could be preparing a car for somebody in the Clash today and say if I want to, and my driver retires, I should be able to put him in. I don't think it's right. I I think it's not the way it should be. And it's given Daniel Suarez a free test to go into the Daytona 500 that he shouldn't have over anybody else. I mean, how's it fair to... Austin Dillon, how's it fair to Ty Dillon? How's it fair to Eric Jones? Eric Jones ran more NASCAR than, I mean, cup races than Daniel Suarez has. How come he's not eligible? I mean, it's it's just crap the way NASCAR did it, and it's typical, let's make somebody happy. Here's your participation trophy. Yeah, John, there's a lot to take to this. There's no doubt about that. Um, To me... I would have been okay with with Greg Biffle being in the 19 car. My problem is you can't sell me on the fact that just because Joe Gibbs Racing was preparing race cars and you promised Aris Aris to get into the sprint uh, the advanced auto parts clash that they're locked into the to the clash. That to me is ridiculous. First of all, Joe Gibbs Racing is a multi multi million dollar team. Uh, I'm not going to be crying that they put extra hours into a race car that they're not going to use. I'm sorry. I hate to be cruel, but, oh, well, your driver retired and he wasn't eligible for the race. 
those are the rules, and we should stick to the rules. Because when you don't stick to the rules, things, you know, there's a gray area. And I know NASCAR will say, well, we're trying to help the kids as much as they can. But if you're going to have that weak of of a, of a iron fist, if you're not going to rule it the way it's supposed to be ruled, then what's the point of even having rules? Why don't we just pick a hat and say, you know what? Okay, let's put Eric Jones in it because we threw his name out of a hat. I have a problem with that. Um, and again, you know, usually these teams, these big teams, use their backup car for the Sprint Unlimited or the Van Salto Parts Clash, everyone want to say, at Daytona this year. So they're going to bring two good cars down to Daytona anyway. Sure, uh, they, they might prepare it, but they're going to bring a second car down there anyway. So that's what I don't understand is, you know, you're going to tell me that Daniel Suarez is going to be running his backup car in the Sprint Unlimited this year? That's ridiculous because it, that's the way it's always been. It's not like they're bringing three cars down and saying, well, we're going to bring three cars because, you know what, even if they prepare three cars, they can prepare as many cars as they want. But to me, they're, they're not bringing three cars down. I think that was a ridiculous excuse. And I think it was a fact that Eris spends a lot of money in NASCAR, um, and they couldn't tell them that it was I mean, hard to tell them that they couldn't be in it because of car limits. But to me, that, that's the way it goes. And Suarez is, listen, I like Suarez. I think he's a great driver. I think he's going to have a big finish diverse because we don't have a lot, enough diverse drivers in this sport. But this is where people get annoyed because now you sit there and say, well, is it because he's, he's Mexican? Uh, do they put him in this race because they want to have a diverse field in this race? They got Danica Patrick in there, and you can argue that Daytona 500 pole rule, that the pole sitter from the previous Daytona 500s is sort of the quote-unquote Danica Patrick rule to get her into the advanced auto parts clash at Daytona National Speedway. I think that's what it is. And listen, we all swallowed it. We've been swallowing this Danica getting into this race for three or four years. We swallowed the fan vote to get her into that, that all-star race because there's nothing you could really do about it. But this, is, this to me is sort of breaking the rules to get somebody in. Do you think it had anything to do with, with NASCAR trying to be a little bit more diverse? We have the Drive for Diversity program, John. Uh, I know there, it's been reported numerous times NASCAR likes the diversity. And listen, it's good to have diversity. But again, you have to do it within the rules. Do you think that had anything to do with it at all, that Suarez is a Drive for Diversity driver? I think it has less to do with the Drive for Diversity than it does the heiress money. I think uh, NASCAR is looking at the bottom line these days, especially if the report is correct about Monster Energy being a two-year, $20 million deal, $20 million a year. It costs more to sponsor Dale Jr.'s car than it would to to sponsor the entire series. And if that's the case, NASCAR is looking at every dollar they can get their hands on to get them into the race. And... I think that's more of it than a diversity issue. I think it's wrong that Suarez has never turned a lap in a Cup Series race, and here he is at the first All-Star race, and he's going to drive the car. I think that's totally wrong. That'd be like saying, okay, congratulations. Let's pull a fan out of the seat, put him in a car, and say, congratulations. You're going to run a Cup race. It's, It's about the same way. But in reality... They want the heiress money. They want heiress happy. They want to make sure they keep the big sponsor into the sport because heiress does bring a lot of money into the sport, especially whenever you have teams like Tony Stewart said yesterday whenever they were at Ford, there's plenty of openings on that 14 car 
you see all mm-hmm. the other cars. There's still inventory available on Dale Jr.'s car. There's inventory available on Casey Kane's car. There's inventory available on some of the Richard Childress racing cars. There's plenty of inventory out there. And when you've got a full-season sponsor who's putting a boatload of money into a team, they don't want them to walk away, especially, I mean, you look, Gibbs has inventory available on Matt Kenseth's car. Matt Kenseth is a past champion who's made the chase every year he's been at Gibbs, and he's been a solid driver since he's been at Gibbs. And they have inventory available on that 20 car because Dollar General walked away, and before that, Home Depot walked away. Mm-hmm. The return on investment is not there like it used to be because they're not putting the butts in the seats and they're not pulling the TV ratings they used to. And now the networks that they signed all the money with are going to cable, so the eyes aren't watching the TVs as much because they have to go searching for the show. Yeah, and listen, here's my problem with this whole Suarez thing, not to change the subject a little bit, but, you know, people get annoyed. I think most of the fans in NASCAR, uh, you know, NASCAR gets a bad rap, and I think most of the time, when NASCAR gets a bad rap, some of it's ridiculous. You know, there's some fans out there who blame NASCAR for everything. And I'm, listen, I'm the first one to call them out when I think they do something wrong. But I think and for the most part they have uh, the best interest of the sport in the mind. There are some times where I think they, they try and grab the money, and I think it's a bad – that's not in the best interest of the sport. And I think you're going to see uh, what I mean next week when they make these announcements about how our formats changes. I think they try to grab the money – from NBC and Fox to change the formats. I think deep down they don't think this will help the sport. I think they sat there and said the TV gave us no other choice. So I think you're going to see that down the road. But generally I think they, they, they try their best to please everybody. But this is the problem with NASCAR, and this will always be the problem with NASCAR, is when they do these little tiny things and you sit there and you go, why? That doesn't make sense to us. That's just wrong the way they did it today. That's just wrong when they went out and put it in a Suarez in the in the advanced auto parts clash at Daytona. I'm sorry, it's just it's just it doesn't add up to anybody. It doesn't make sense. And it's sort of unfair because, you know, you sit there and like I said, if you know, what's the difference between Greg Biffle being in the nineteen and Daniel Suarez being in the nineteen? Well, Daniel Suarez isn't eligible for the race. Greg Biffle was. That's the difference. And now all of a sudden you make this sort of rule to put Daniel Suarez in the race. You know, and I know they did the same thing with Vickers last year. And different that Tony Stewart's hurt, who knows? You know, Tony Stewart's eventually going to be back in that car. It technically was still Tony Stewart's race car, even though Tony was going to retire at the end of the year and everybody knew it. This is no longer Carl Edwards' car. This is no longer Carl Edwards' team. This is Daniel Suarez. When Carl Edwards retired from that 19 car, this began the Daniel Suarez era at Joe Gibbs Racing, Period. Everything that Carl Edwards did in that car, every point that that he made, every little tiny thing he did didn't matter anymore because Carl Edwards is no longer the driver of the 19 car. You can argue Tony Stewart while he's going to be back, it was still his race car. I think that's the difference there, in my opinion. And I don't think I was very happy with what Vickers did, what they put Vickers in last year because you opened up the possibility for something like this. And again, I'm sorry if Joe gets racing for the next couple of hours prepping a, a super speedway car for Daytona. But they're going to do that for Daytona anyway with a backup car because the likelihood of them tearing up their primary car with a rookie driver at Daytona is very, very high, especially the duels. They're going to put the backup car and make sure that car is ready to go for Daytona anyway. These, team, these big teams do that anyway. So it doesn't make any 
sense. I'm sorry, it doesn't make any sense. And that's where NASCAR, rightfully so, gets a bad name because they do this kind of little tiny things and you go, hmm, why would they do something like that? It just bothers the heck out of you because no other sport, I don't think, would do something like that and not follow the rules because of money talk. bothers me about this whole thing, John. Uh, do you have anything else to add to this? Daniel Suarez being in the uh, Sprint Unlimited, Advanced Auto Parts Clash, whatever well, you want to call it, for uh, 2017. Well, again, as it was in the past, like, for example, uh, when Matt Kenseth was at Roush, and he won a pole in the 17 car. Matt Kenseth got credit for the pole, but also the 17 car did. So when he went to Gibbs, Matt Kenseth was eligible for the clash, and the 17 car, when Ricky Stenhouse hopped into it, was eligible. That's the way it used to be. The way they set the rules up this year, it was the the driver who won the polls or the driver who was a previous champion or previous Daytona pole winner that were eligible for the race or the previous chase participants and all that stuff. They didn't say the car this year, which means Daniel Suarez should not be in this race. But again, I think it's a money grab by NASCAR to make sure they keep a big sponsor happy. And, and I, listen, you could be right. I, I think, you know, we've seen that in the past with this race when we had to have a certain amount of drivers in this race because for some stupid reason NASCAR thought we couldn't have a race with 50 cars. Now they've kind of gone away from that because, you remember, you know, we've seen teams in this race sort of bow out because they didn't want to take the risk because they felt the risk of tearing up a race car towards what they get paid out at the end of the race was not worth it. Uh, now we're not going to see that anymore with this race because they said, you know, whoever's eligible is eligible and nobody else can be eligible except when Carl Edwards retires, we're going to put in Daniel Suarez. So it, they completely neglected that rule as it went forth here. Okay, John, there's another rule uh, that I think was co- sort of bypassed a little bit this last couple, this last week. And it's something I want to get your take on here as we move forward, because, you know, we, we talked about the tire limits. I don't think the tire limits, there are some, some tracks that are going to have uh, NASCAR Sprint Cup Series teams are going to have less tires at than they had in 2016 and 2017, or one less set of tires that Goodyear will, will give to them. To me, that's, that's irrelevant, one less, one less set. But here's the kind of interesting news that I took out of that. NASCAR said that Cup Series teams now have to race on the tire they qualified on. Uh, which means, you know, now we do qualifying, we do the three rounds of qualifying at most racetracks. I think it's two on the short tracks. But we have those three rounds of qualifying. Uh, so that makes it interesting because it used to be, you know, forever and ever when we used to do two laps, you know, you have teams go out there, do two laps, and that was it, and they were done. So it really didn't matter all that much. Now, and they do this in the Xfinity Series because the Xfinity Series teams are an inbound race. Uh, you're not allowed to touch anything but before between qualifying and the race in the Xfinity Series race. So NASCAR goes out there. They're doing this in the Cup Series. How do you think this is going to change things, John? Do you think it's going to change anything at all that, that they're not allowed to qual- – that they're qualifying – they're racing on a tire they qualified with? Uh, do you think it's going to change anything there? Or do you think this is a minor detail that sort of doesn't really mean anything? I think it will depend on the track. If you go to a Darlington, it'll matter. But everybody will be on the same sheet of music. It used to be back when they were running the two laps for qualifying, the top ten ran the tires that they qualified on. Everybody from 11th on back could put new tires on and go, but the top ten had to run the tires they qualified on. Uh, Now, it's 
the same for everybody. All 40 teams are going to have to run the tires they qualified on. It might look at there's a team that may, instead of going for pushing that fifth lap to get the extra one position that they're hoping to get, they might just say, okay, we'll sit we'll sit here in 14th and not put the extra laps on our tires. It'll only matter in places like California. It'll matter in places like Darlington. It'll matter in places like Atlanta until they repave it. But the regular paved, the new paved tracks and all that stuff that don't have the tire wear, it'll be just fine. It'll be the same thing. I mean, heck, these tires, they last forever most of the time. Anyhow, there isn't the fall off that we hope for. And mm-hmm. I just wish that Goodyear was able to find a tire that did the fall off that we need. I wish that they would get to the point, take the rev limiter out so the engines blow so we actually do have attrition in the in the race. But it just it's not going to make a big deal. All it's going to save them is one set of tires that they would have taken off and paid. So it's probably about 1500 bucks a team that it's going to save. It'll help the small team's budget. Right. It won't matter to the big teams like Joe Gibbs and Childress and all them. No, I agree. I think it's going to help the smaller teams. And I think you hit the nail on the head with how it's going to change qualifying. I think if you're a team like, uh, you know, maybe Matthew Benedetto at Go Fast Racing, you know, and you do two laps at – Charlotte Motor Speedway, why run a third when if you're qualified 35th, you're like, you know what, that's it. Are we really going to go to 24th? Probably not. We're going to gain one or two spots if we go back out. Let's just keep our tires. It's probably more worth it to keep the tires on the car and just go at it from there. I think you're right. I think on a, on a big-time track, it's going to be uh, – that's all that's going to really matter as far as that is concerned. But I, I just thought it was that was an interesting little tidbit. Obviously, it's the same team's money. I hope we don't go to an impound – uh, racing like we see in the Xfinity Series. I think it's dumb they do it in the Xfinity Series. I think it's, I think uh, the best part about racing is to see the ingenuity of the crew chiefs, how the difference between they set up a car for qualifying and how they set it up for racing. I understand why they do it in that series because of the fact that these small teams don't have the budgets to turn the cars over so quickly and all that kind of stuff. I get all that, but I hope we don't do that in Cup. I think it's stupid. I know they do it at the play tracks other than they 500, but... Um, Anyway, other than that, I think it's dumb. So I hope that's not what this means here, that they're trying to change this as well. But, again, and, John, you hit the nail on the head with the tires uh, as far as Goodyear is concerned. Um, you know, hey, let's let's get a tire that, that wears a little bit. Uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. But right now with uh, the changes that we are expected to see in the Spring Cup Series with how, we form, how these races go and how they're going to format these races, I don't think it's really going to matter all that much. I don't think you're going to see long green flag runs anymore unfortunately, and that's a shame because I think that was part of racing in the Cup Series that people liked and that, and that, and that a lot of the old school fans would like to see NASCAR get back to. Uh, but, again, I think they're sort of handcuffed here by the TV companies that are forcing them to make this move, and we'll touch on that way more next week when it's officially announced we got everything in front of us about what we get, we get with these format changes and what's on the plate. Okay. Other news here, John, there were some three new three new entries in the past couple of weeks uh, for the Daytona 500. Elliott Sadler, it was announced Elliott Sadler will drive the number seven car for Tommy Baldwin Racing. They're going to have uh, sponsorship from Golden Corral. They're going to have a black number seven car for Elliott Sadler. Sadler's going to try and make his first Daytona 500 since 2012 in that car. Brendan Gaughan will drive a number, I think it's going to be number 75. There was no number really announced. Uh, a Chevrolet for Beard Motorsports. They're going to have an ECR engine in there. Um, Beard Motorsports is a team that 
attempted some cup races back in the day. I think it was 2012 or 2013 with uh, driver Clay Rogers back a few years back. Uh, they bought the old chassis from the number 59 team, uh, or 95 team, however you want to look at it, Levine Family Racing, they bought their chassis that they used on a Super Speedways last year, and they're going to attempt to make the Daytona 500 with Brendan Gaughan. Gaughan hasn't made the 500 since 2004. It was only one. So that will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And something that came out of the blue that we didn't see at all was DJ Kennington, a Canadian driver who runs in the Canadian Tire Series uh, up there, excuse me, the NASCAR Pinty Series up there in Canada, He's been a veteran in that series. We've seen him in the Xfinity Series a lot running road courses. I think he made his cup debut this year at Phoenix. But he will attempt the Daytona 500 with Gaunt Brothers Racing, a new team. They're going to be in a Toyota with Triad engines. Uh, the, the president of Triad started the team is Marty Gaunt. He will Gaunt Brothers Racing. It's going to be in association with RAB Racing and Robbie Benton. Remember RAB Racing? They, they had a, a long-time Xfinity Series team. They ran in, in ARCA as well. Robbie Benton was an ARCA driver years ago. So they're kind of be working together in a partnership with Gaunt Brothers Racing to make the Daytona 500 with DJ Kennington. That team's going to attempt all four races, super speedway races this year in 2017. I think Kennington's only doing Daytona. But, John, of the three teams I announced there, I, I told you guys about, Elliot Sadler for Tommy Baldwin, Brendan Gaughan for Beard Motorsports, and DJ Kennington for Gaunt Brothers Racing. Which one do you think has the best shot at making this race? in the Daytona 500, which one, you know, obviously Baldwin's been there before, Beard Motorsports and Gaunt Brothers Racing is a team that sort of new to, to the uh, NASCAR Cup Series world here, uh, but what are your thoughts on, on these entries going to the Daytona 500? I think Sandler has a good chance, and it's one of those things, again, it depends on the entry list. If there's 44 cars, you're going to have four cars go away, or yeah, four cars go away, so you're looking at eight cars battling for four spots. Um, to be honest with you, the way the duels work, somebody could pile it up and somebody sneaks in. I mean, how many times have you seen it? You saw um, Brian Keselowski make it because Brad pushed him. Um, you could see Elliot Sandler make it because Junior pushes him because he wants to see his boy who runs for him in the Xfinity Series make the show at the Daytona 500. Um, the one thing when it comes to Daytona that we're still looking for, who's going to be in the second BK car? That still hasn't been announced yet. We still have the we have the one in Joey Gase, who we know is going to run the 23, but we don't know who's going to be in the 83. Right. And yeah. there's and we- still holes that are to be filled. And the 83 is a, it owns a charter, so somebody's going to sit in that right. car for the Daytona 500. It's just a matter of who. And right, and we've heard it's. I mean, it's it's a it's a crapshoot with the Daytona 500 just because of how the duels are. Somebody could get crazy and end up getting piled up, and somebody sitting in the back could end up cruising their way in because they were far enough behind that they didn't get in a pile up. Right, I think it was last year, two years ago. Reed Sorensen made it for Team Extreme Racing which was kind of a, sh- a surprise because uh, that team hadn't made a, a Daytona 500 ever. But you're right. I mean, that was back when they when Sorensen made it was when they tried that group qualifying at Daytona, which was a disaster. Um, but, listen, the duels are sort of the even even playing field. I'm going to be curious. You know, last year we had one – we took one team out of each – one car out of each duel race. I think we're going to see two teams get qualified in through their time. Um 
the good thing is there's going to be 40 entries. looks like at least 40 entries that are announced. There's 41, it looks like, that are going to be announced. So one team's going to go home, so it makes it a little bit more interesting as far as that's concerned. Whether the 35, uh, they, they tried all four plate races last year with David Gilland from Motorsports' third car. Whether they come down, remember BK Racing, you mentioned the 83, they don't have a driver there, and you're right on that. Uh, but BK Racing had four teams try to take down 500 last year with Michael Waltrip, uh, Robert Richardson Jr., Matthew Benedetto, and David Reagan in, that, in BK Racing last year. Uh, so they might have a third team come down. Although they just lost their crew chief on 83 too as well. It was reported earlier uh, that Gene Need, who was part of, of the 83 team, he, he worked for Phil Parsons for a while in that 98 car, went to the 83 team uh, as a crew chief for the last couple of years. And him and Di Benedetto worked together last year. He's now going to the 32 car with Di Benedetto and go fast racing Gene Need. So you have to wonder if uh, Doug Riker's going to be crew chief there, if they're going to bring in somebody who's got some money from that 83 car, you know, Gase brought sponsorship to there with him. He's got some cup of experience, Joey Gase, in that 23 car. I think he'll do a decent job there. But another team you didn't mention, John, is the 33 car, uh, which is they've announced a, a combination deal between um, the Motorsports Group, which was a 30 team last year, and Circle Sport Racing, which who had a partnership with Levine Family last year. They've, they're going to be number 33. They announced Pat Streisand's going to be the crew chief. Um, they're going to run Chevrolets, but they haven't announced a driver. And I think Jeffrey Earnhardt's a guy to look at for one of these two rides, whether it's the 83 or whether it's the 33. I think he's got going to have a ride for the Daytona 500. Remember last year, he did not run the Daytona 500 because Bobby Labonte was in a 32 with the plate tracks money. Bobby Labonte lost his sponsorship. I don't know if we're going to see Bobby Labonte down in the Daytona 500 or not. I would like to see Bobby. I would like to see him in a competitive car. I would like to see him run up front. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Bobby Labonte's last cup race came at Talladega last year, unfortunately. Um, but other than that, I can't figure out who they're going to put in that 83 car if Jeffrey Earnhardt goes to the 33, which is where I think he's going to go. Um, and interesting, they changed that number to 33, which, yeah, his father, Kerry, didn't have a big career in cup, but his dad ran a lot of races in the 33 in cups, so maybe that's the number that Jeffrey would, would like rather than 30. But the 83 is an interesting team. I don't know who they're going to hire there, to be honest with you. So that's a very interesting team. you got to remember also Michael Waltrip. I think he's going to run one of the premium motorsports cars there. They have a charter. They leased one from the uh, – they bought one, excuse me, from the 15 car last year, so they have a charter. They leased their other one to the 77 car with Eric Jones. Uh, so they're in good shape to make the Daytona 500 with one of their cars. I think Michael Waltrip with the Aaron's Dream Machine is going to be in one of their cars for premium motorsports. But, yeah, the only guys we're really concerned about are the 33 and the 83 and whether or not – you know, BK Racing brings the third car down. The uh, fast uh, front wheel motorsports bring the third car down as well. Um, so very interesting. And, and you're right. Listen, anything can happen in these races, John, in these duels. Anything can happen to make the Daytona 500. I love the dual races. They're used to be my favorite races of all time. But I have a quick question for you. You know, I brought this up off air to a, a caller, a, friend, a friendly caller of ours who calls a lot on this show. And I want to get your take. Would you be okay a sort of a last-chance race before the Daytona Duels on like a Wednesday afternoon or Thursday before the Duels on Thursday afternoon, a last-chance race with the cars that don't have a charter? Now, the problem would be that we only have five, six cars in that race, but I think that would encourage teams to come down. If you say, you know what, we're going to take the winner and a second-place car, and we're going to put them in the Daytona 500, and you're going to run the Duel race after this. 
sort of a 20-lap shootout, John, to go out there and watch these non-charter teams try and compete for a spot in the Daytona 500. Would you be okay with that, a sort of a last-chance race, to add the speed weeks in Daytona? Well, you'd have to make it worth your while to run that race. I mean, I know making the Daytona 500 is going to be the budget for some of these teams that are coming down there for the thing. I mean, they make about a quarter million bucks to spot, to start the race. But I think, and I was listening to Brad talk about this Saturday on um, when he was filling in for Pat Patterson on um, the front stretch. Brad Gilley was talking about it with the list, with the listeners. So, I mean, congratulations for creating a topic on Sirius XM. Um, but I think it, it'd be okay. I don't think it'd be anything special because, I mean, if you're doing 20 laps and you've only got six cars, <coughs> maybe eight cars, it's follow the leader. I mean, you get that one pack, and what happens when they all plow each other because – the people who are running in this race most of the time are your back of the packers who aren't used to driving in the big crowd. They're usually sitting in the back or already parked by the time the race is over because they have a um, steering issue or something like that because they end up parking. They aren't that good. They don't have their stuff together. I think it'd just be a boring race. It might give them a reason to come down, but, I mean, you've got to pay them enough to pay the tire bill, pay the gas bill, pay the flights and all that stuff down, because in reality, that's a lot of money for to put into it to have a slight chance of making the Daytona 500. Yeah, that's a very good point, John, especially because with how expensive it is uh, to, to build these cars nowadays and expensive it is to come down to Daytona nowadays, for sure. Uh, it was a good idea. I, th- I think it's something that, um, you know, it would need a little bit of tweaking. But, again, I just think it's starting to get redundant here with you have to – do we really need to run these races? These, uh, I think that's why we don't see testing anymore in January like we used to see in Daytona because the owners have sort of sat there and said, do we really need all these races? Do we really need a dual race? Do we really need an, a clash race to sort of tear up more race cars because we're tearing up, four, we're tearing up two race cars for what? We're, not, we're already locked into the race because of the, of the uh, chartering system. Why do we need to tear up more race cars? So I think that's something to look at uh, going forward, whether it's in the next 10 years, but uh, something fun to, to think about as well. A couple other tidbits, and, and this comes out of the truck series, John. First of all, Stuart Friesen. Um, he's going to be running a full schedule, a, a fantastic dirt racer. I, you know, he ran at my local track up in Middletown, New York this, this year full-time. Uh, ran a partial schedule last year. He's going to run a full-time trucks this season. Harmall International is going to be the sponsorship. Tommy um, Baldwin is going to be the general manager of that team, a Frisian Harmall Racing. And Trip Bruce, who's a great crew chief, is going to be the crew chief of that number 52 car truck in 2017. Uh, Frisian's a very good talent on the dirt. It's going to be interesting to see. We've seen a lot of dirt guys, John. Brad Sweet, one of them. Steve Kinzer, when he came into NASCAR. Um, who haven't really translated that great to NASCAR, to the asphalt. Um, I think he's definitely a factor to, to go out there and perform very, very well. Even Rico Abreu. You could say Rico Abreu had, had a struggle in the year last year. He really did. He's not going to be back at Thor Sport. But he was a guy who uh, has, has a great dirt career but hasn't been able to translate it in a cup yet. Um, so what are your thoughts on Friesen going full-time, uh, sort of with his own team, 
with Hallmark International behind him, Tommy Baldwin running that team, what are the expectations for Stuart Friesen in 2017? I think he'll have a respectable year. I mean, it's a, he's a rookie. Um, I think he'll, with Tommy Baldwin sort of guiding the ship, if they have the right engine package, I think they can do okay. Uh, it's one of those things that as you keep growing through the system, I mean, like you said, some of the people who come down from dirt to do this haven't been too successful. I mean, you look at the Steve Kinzer's, but Steve Kinzer went from running the World of Outlaws straight into the Cup Series. Um, this is a lot different. You see Christopher Bell. He came from dirt. He's actually going to probably run a sprint car for Tony Stewart down in Florida during speed weeks because Tony's not sure how well his back will hold up to do uh, Bubba Raceway Park and Volusia both. So he's already told Christopher Bell, bring your helmet, bring your uniform. We've got a seat ready for you, so if I can't go, you can go into the car. Um, You see the Tony Stewarts, the Jeff Gordons. Those guys came from the dirt. Casey Kane came from the dirt. Dave Blaney came from the dirt. Dave wasn't anything spectacular, but Dave was solid. Um, Kyle Larson's coming from the dirt. So it's a lot different now that you can come from the dirt and make it make it in the show. It's just making sure you do it at the right time. They're doing it young enough now that they're not – I mean, Tony Stewart was a rarity because he was in his upper 20s when he came to Cup instead of coming down when you're 20, 21. Kane was 21 whenever he hit the Cup Series. Um, Christopher Bell's 18, 19 hitting the, hitting the Truck Series. Um so you've got them younger doing it where they can still run the dirt, but they're also cutting their teeth in the NASCAR series, the lower series, to build their way up and get to the cup level. It's a lot different than Steve Kinzer's coming from the World of Outlaws one year and going to Kenny Bernstein's cup team and was totally out of the water and knew it within 10 races mm-hmm. and was back running a sprint car by the summer. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, this is a totally different situation that you're right. Uh, I wish Kinzer, because he's a great talent. There's no doubt about it. I wish he uh, ran some Xfinity race, Bush races back then, uh, ran some, some asphalt races, other than going right to the Cup Series against guys who had been doing it for 15, 20 years. Uh, I wish we, because it would have been great to see him be really, really successful in the Cup Series. 917-889-8280 here to join the conversation on Talking Circles. Are you all concerned? And listen, I, I, was, I always thought that when Danica Patrick sort of mingled into IndyCar, and NASCAR. She was an IndyCar driver, and then she was a NASCAR driver on 10 weeks out of the year. I thought it sort of uh, – it didn't help her at all. I don't think – I think being in NASCAR was and, – and going back to IndyCar, which she was doing for there for the first couple of years, I don't think it helped her. Um, and you were all – and I heard Friesian, and uh, I don't know if this is factual or not, but I heard he's going to run up at Fonda this year and run pretty much a full schedule and try and do as many dirt races as possible. Are you worried at all that maybe his success will be uh, in his learning curve in NASCAR will be a little bit down because of the fact that he's running all these dirt races instead of just focusing 100% on NASCAR? And I'm not saying these guys shouldn't have a life but um, outside of racing, but do you think it'll hurt them at all? Because I thought that really hurt Danica Patrick when she first came into NASCAR. What are your thoughts on that, John? Well, there's a big difference between running Indy cars where everything is so engineered and – you can almost put a monkey in an Indy car and do well with it and keep it on the track to run in a dirt car. I mean, if you look and you've you've seen how Casey Kane has done, the more dirt races he runs, the better he does in the Cup Series because 
if you really think about it, one of the problems, especially this year with the downforce coming off of everything, you need to be able to drive a loose race car. You don't get much looser than a dirt sprint car, a wing 410 sprint car, because you got the horsepower, you got, I mean, you're loose no matter what, because you have to actually turn the wheel right to go left. So it helps you with the loose race car. That's one of the things you saw Tony whenever he was doing well with the running in the late models, running sprints and all that stuff. When he was doing well on that, he was doing well in the tra- in the Cup Series. So it can help you, especially when running like dirt outlaws or dirt late models, because it helps you with the looseness of the car. It's not going to give you the same weight, but it's giving you the same horsepower and the same looseness that you're running with. So I think it'll give them a, uh, it won't hurt them the same way running an Indy car does, because an Indy right. car basically is sucked to the ground and it's almost impossible to mess it up unless you get out of the marbles. Yeah, it's interesting, and and uh, how how the difference between series and, and type of racing does that. And and again, you know, I wish him all the best. I, you know, I think he's a, it's nice to see a sponsor get behind a driver who's won a lot of races. The you know, season runs all runs all kinds of races in the dirt series. It's nice to see a big time money sponsor get behind a, a very talented driver and say, you know what, we're, we're behind you 100. percent We're going to give you a shot in NASCAR. It's nice to see that. And you're pulling for that because that's something this sport needs more of. You know, we, we always see these kids that come up here, and I hate to say it, but they have daddy's money and, um, you know, haven't really won a whole lot of races down in their lower divisions. And they come here because, well, because they, they you know, their dad might be the CEO of a, comp- of a big-time company, might own a company. And that's unfortunate because, they, you know, not seeing the best talent in racing up in NASCAR. And I think Friesen's a, a very, very rare case where, He's a very talented driver, and it's nice to see a sponsor come in and fully support him and say, you know what, we're going to go with you to the truck series. Here you go. This is a shot. And Baldwin's a very, very smart man. I think Tommy Baldwin is a very smart guy. Obviously, uh, it's unfortunate to see that his cup team is no longer around. I think if it was different circumstances, and 15 years ago, Baldwin ran races at Town Cup. But that's just no longer the case. I think he was doomed from from the beginning uh, with just how the rules were set up and everything. But I think he's a very, very smart guy. He knows how to run a race team. He's run it for the last seven years. He knows what he's doing. So I think it's, that team's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on as we move forward in 2017. A couple of other guys, John, in the Truck Series that they announced their plans. Ryan Truex, uh, Hattori Racing, number 81, Toyota. He's going to run full-time in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series in 2017. He ran part-time last year. Um, Truex is a guy who... Has never really gotten that big shot. We've seen him a couple of times run with Michael Waltrip racing in the Bush Series, also with Joe Gibbs racing in the Bush Series. Try this in a cup with BK Racing. Nobody seems to really run great at BK Racing. They seem to go through drivers faster than any other team in NASCAR. Um, but Ryan Truex with the Tory Racing, not a big-time money team, not a team that you know is a, is a cup-affiliated team. But what are your thoughts real quick on Ryan Truex and his expectations for 2017 uh, in the NASCAR Campbell Truck Series? Well, Ryan Truex showed last year that he can make that 81 truck go. I mean, he was top five at Daytona. He was in the chase points-wise until they ran out of money and ran out of races. So Ryan Truex can make that truck go. He's a good driver. I mean, he's just as good. I mean, Martin's even said he's just as good as he is. He just needs the break. And he hasn't been able to get through it yet. It's nice to see somebody step up and 
give Ryan Truex the opportunity. It was funny. I was listening to Larry Mack this one of the mornings this week when he was filling in for Pistoni, and he was saying about how the young drivers that are out there. He said he actually had a truck team come up and approach Brandon about joining the team, and Larry said to him flat out, he says, "Hey, if you're looking for." Uh, us to bring a big-time sponsor, we don't have one. If you're looking for us to put a boatload of money into the team, we don't have we don't have it. And if that's the case, let's not talk. So the guy said, oh, no, we need to talk. So he comes up, and they said, well, we want you to put half, foot half the motor bill. And Larry said, hey, we just can't afford that. So, But Brandon McReynolds is a solid driver, and he just can't get the brake. There's a lot of good drivers that just can't get that break. Corey LaJoy out there. Um, mm-hmm. There's other ones just like them. Bubba Wallace hasn't really yeah. got the break. I mean, he's driving for Roush in the Xfinity, we hope, because we haven't really heard what the Xfinity lineup is at Roush yet, but we're thinking that Bubba's going to be in that six car again. He's a great driver. Yeah. Just hasn't caught the break. Doesn't have the big sponsor behind him. And that's where the sad part of NASCAR is coming to. We probably have 55, 60 drivers who could battle for the Cup Series or battle for the Xfinity Series. They just don't have the sponsorship to go run a full season. So you've got the same people running every year. I mean, you look at the back markers of the Xfinity Series, you still got Morgan Shepard out there. He's almost 70 years old and he's still running because yeah. he can put it out there. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, another guy who I feel sorry for him, and he tweeted that he doesn't have the money to run this year, and I don't know how much he has or if he's got anything. A couple of drivers. One is, is Alex Bowman, who uh, recently they, he's going to obviously run a clash at Daytona for Hendrick Motorsports in the 88 car. And another one is Brett Moffitt. Brett Moffitt won a truck series race a year ago at Michigan. Drafted, he, he was very smart. He ran that 11 truck for Red Horse Racing. It was a great to see some, a young kid like him. And he went, you know, he was okay in Cup. He finished eighth in Atlanta and won for Michael Waltrip Racing. Uh, people forget that. You know, he, was, he did a pretty good job his time up in Cup as well. I think he needed to be seasoned in the Truck Series and Xfinity Series a little bit more before he made his sort of his re-entrance back into the Cup Series. But he proved last year he can win a truck race. And, you know, I thought for sure that 11 truck would say, you know, and that's if they feel bad for him. He, he had a, a, a completely – a situation completely out of his control why he was out of that ride, but Truex won that truck, and Matt Tiff didn't. And, or excuse me, uh, uh, Moffitt won that truck, and Matt Tiff didn't. And I think Moffitt, I would love to see him get a, get that ride full-time this year. They haven't announced what they're doing with that 11 truck this year. Uh, Tiff's going to the, to the Cups, or Xfinity Series, excuse me, in the 18 car for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, but it just shows you, you know, you know Brett Moffitt won a race last year, and he's not able to sell sponsorship to get a truck ride. That's a little sad. That's the sad part of where we're in this sport. Real quick before I sign off, I want to touch on something. Uh, Parker Kligerman announced he's going to run about 10 races for uh, Henderson Motorsports 75 truck this year, including the Daytona race in the truck series. Caleb Holman, their, their normal driver, who I really like. I think Caleb Holman's another guy who, who on, on the short tracks, has really proven himself. He's still going to run a handful of races there. As well, so Kligerman, who's going to they're going to uh, sort of expand his role on NBC Sports as an announcer as well. He's also got a little bit of a truck series ride. It'd be nice to see him get something else too because he was really good when he ran ARCA for Cunningham Motorsports years ago. He was phenomenal there. I think he won seven or eight races, missed a championship because they ran him out of gas in the final race. But it'd be nice to see him catch on somewhere 
as well. I want to thank John Harlow for joining us, uh, for helping us out tonight again. Uh, SteveMedia.com, you can read all his stuff there. And we'll see you next week as we get another week closer to Daytona. Good night, everybody. <laughs>